Welcome everybody to Out of My Mind Box, a podcast about intuitive eating and mental health. My name is Anka. I realize now that I haven't even introduced myself to you in all of my previous episodes. <laughs> I'm an IT consultant by day and avid intuitive eater by night and day. <laughs> I um, have been on a journey of um, intuitive eating myself for the last two or three years. Um, and I have a passion for sharing this knowledge with anyone who it can help um, because it, it was so meaningful for me. Today, we're going to be talking about the principle number four of intuitive eating, which is challenge the food police. I have with me here today, Zenya Ayotis, a certified life coach, intuitive eating counselor, and mindful eating coach. Welcome, Zenya. How are you doing today? Thank you, Anka. It's so good to be back here again with you, chatting about intuitive eating. Cool. So, challenge the food police. Mm. Here is what that's all about. You need to scream a loud no to the thoughts in your head that declare that you're good for eating minimal calories or bad because you ate a piece of chocolate cake or didn't eat breakfast. The police station is housed deep in your psyche and its loudspeaker shouts negative, hopeful, hopeless phrases and guilt-provoking indignants. But chasing the food police away is a critical step in returning to intuitive eating. So there's food police in your head and there's food police around you. Our entire culture from media to doctors, family, school and friends normalizes and reinforces the judgmental diet culture thinking. There's no problem in having food preferences, but once they morph into rigid rules and trigger you to feel bad about yourself, then it's time to say goodbye to the food police. So, yeah, anything you've got to say on that note? Yes. So this one is tricky because we are not all aware of what we're thinking. So a lot of our thoughts are so unconscious and so conditioned that we're not even aware of them. So when you're on the journey of intuitive eating and so you reject the diet mentality, you start learning about hunger, then you're giving yourself permission to eat what you want. But what's going on is, you know, you're still being pulled in by diet culture because diet culture is everywhere. And the food police voices, at least the external ones, um, in society, in the media, so you, we need to identify the internalized food police and that's our voice of how we grew up with whatever was told to us, like, oh, you can't eat sweet, sugar is bad, sugar is addictive, or what you're hearing from doctors, nutritionists, dietitians about food, what you see in the media, uh, what people around you are saying. So this is all about thinking and language and being aware of the different voices inside of you. So the most common thing really is our language. And if you think of diet language, you know, there's this food language and morality. So, you know, people will say I'm addicted to food or I'm eating clean or this is naughty, this is bad or the word treat um, or this is guilt-free, uh, this is good, 
Uh, I'm doing a detox. This is my cheat day. So that language reinforces um, the food police. And in order to make peace with food, we need to challenge those voices. But before you can challenge them, you actually need to become aware of them and mm. what they say. Yeah, you need to identify them and spot them when they come up. So yeah. one way that I found um, that was quite interesting to, to identify some of these were right before I placed my order at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest places where I had food police coming into my head automatically mm-hmm. and not even realizing it. And it would say things like, um, you'll feel good about yourself if you order X, which was usually a salad. <laughs> and, um, or or you, you'll feel good about yourself if you order the burger without the bun. You know, no fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started making those conscious choices to actually choose what I wanted in those moments instead of listening to the food police. But you've really got to pick apart the messages. There's so many different um examples of of the food police we in our last episode spoke a bit about um doctors and how they can have an influence on telling you what to do with your body basically and there there are a lot of doctors that are well most doctors are caught up in diet mentality and have this idea of weight loss as almost a cure-all for many ailments Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's one of the big food police that you need to deal with. That's almost um, overbearing. That's an authority figure, a doctor. Right. You're supposed to listen to them. Mm. You're supposed to trust them almost blindly. And now we're telling you to reconsider that. Reconsider that maybe they don't know everything <laughs> and actually mm-hmm. challenge that. That's why we call it challenging the food police. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so when dealing with the food police, you've got destructive food voices. And so those are these internalized food voices. So you've got the food police saying, do this, don't do that. You should do this, you shouldn't do that. Um, So that's like carbs are bad, sugar is bad, fat is whatever. Or in some cases, fat is good, you know, (laughs) depending on the trends. Yeah. Uh, and then, so there's that food police, which is do, don't, very rulesy, very restrictive. Then you've got the what Evelyn and Elise refer to as the nutrition informant. I like to call it the spy um, because that kind of colludes with the police. So it will go and tell the food police, look, she ate this and it doesn't have any nutrients in it and it's so high in calories and so high in fat and blah, blah, blah. So they work together. Now, the minute those two come on center stage of you're not allowed this and look this, look at this and how much has this got, and then your inner rebel comes in. So there you've got the diet rebel in. Then she raises her head and goes, well, I'm not listening to any of you guys. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. So... The diet rebel then makes choices based on what the food police voice and the spy are telling her not to do and not really based on what she would like what to she do wants. and what yeah. would feel good in her body. So a lot of this brings out this reactivity and this rebellious behavior. And what we want to do really is be the adult around food where I can eat whatever I want, what's going to feel good 
in my body? What's going to taste good and feel good? So that's, whereas the food police is going, you shouldn't eat that, bread is bad for you. We bring in kind of the, the allies, the useful voices. And so in the book, they refer to constructive voices like the food anthropologist and the nutrition ally. I just like to refer to it as your inner nurturer. What does your inner nurturer want you to have? Listen to that voice. Um, the food anthropologist is kind of detached, just looks at food neutrally with no judgment. And that's really where we want to get to, where we look at food as neutral, neither good nor bad, in the same way that a cake has flour and sugar and butter and cocoa and vanilla essence. A salad has leaves and cucumber and onions and whatever a salad's got. It's just a bunch of ingredients. It's neither good nor bad. It's neutral. It's just how it feels in your body and how you feel when you eat it. Mm. Yeah, you need to be aware of what judgments or guilt-inducing thoughts arise around the food mm -hmm. choices that you're making? What story do you tell yourself when you break a food rule as well? Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and what do you need to, in order to be more aware of your thoughts is mindfulness. So Absolutely. taking yeah. that moment, they, they call it a pause, just mm -hmm. pause right before you make your decision on the next morsel that's going into your mouth just have that pause and do a reality check because mm. it's so easy to by default listen to the food police and um, the yeah. voice becomes uh, your voice at, at some point along the mm. line and, and you really mm. think that that's you who's speaking although exactly. it's just been ingrained in you yes so you need to detach the first step with all of this is awareness and that's really what mindfulness is. It's what mindful eating is. It's about awareness. But it's a certain type of awareness. It's non-judgmental awareness. Okay. So it's awareness with curiosity and no judgment. So to deal with the, the food police, the first step is awareness. And, you know, becoming curious around the thoughts, not believing everything you think, seeing mm -hmm. Thoughts as thoughts, as these mental events happening in your mind, and that they're not facts. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Then it's actually stepping back from these thoughts and questioning them and saying, are they true? For instance, I mean, one thought that a lot of people have is, oh, I shouldn't eat carbs. Carbs are bad. I need to cut out carbs. Where does that thought come from? How do you feel when you don't eat carbs? You could, actually, you could actually go ahead and create statements that challenge your food police based off of what your food police is saying. So you just said that, you know, I shouldn't eat carbs. What we could say is I've noticed that when I avoid carbs, I find myself hungry an hour later. Nourishing my body well means eating carbs as part of my meals. Exactly. That could be a way to reframe that statement in a positive yes. light. Mm -hmm. So it's all about reframing your thoughts, identifying the thoughts, identifying them as, oh, that's dark mentality. That's the food police voice. 
that's not me. I'm going to challenge that voice and I can have cake. Mm. Having a slice of cake is not going to ruin my health. Mm -hmm. We eat for two reasons, for fuel and nourishment and energy, and also for the pleasure of eating. Mm -hmm. So it's really countering uh, all those beliefs. So, you know, if you are working with a therapist, then, um, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy works uh, to challenge the thoughts, reframe them, and sometimes simply labeling the thoughts, simply labeling them as that's the food police, that's the nutrition spy, or those are rulesy thoughts, helps you just to step back um, and not buy into those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of people who might have gone through a phase of discovering possible food intolerances that they have whilst going through all these various diets. Um, mm-hmm. This might, have, might also uh, be a little bit related to making peace with food. But what do you do if you have celiac disease and you cannot eat wheat, gluten? Um, what do you do if there's, there are certain foods that react with your body negatively, but there's still an emotional part of you that feels mm. like you want it? That's a right. tricky one. It is very tricky. And that happens so often, you know, you working with a client and then at some point during your work together, they go for blood tests or they get a diagnosis and suddenly there are restrictive foods that, you know, don't serve you. The first step, is to accept this. It's acceptance. Acceptance that I have this diagnosis and eating these foods makes me feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Then it's reminding yourself that I have permission to eat them. I can eat them if I want to. They're not forbidden. Mm -hmm. If I choose to eat them, I'm going to feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. So I can eat if you're gluten intolerant or celiac, I can eat wheat and gluten if I want to, but do mm. I want the consequence of this? Yeah. So there is, it's really working around that sense of loss, that emotional sense of loss that now, you know, when I eat bread, I'm going to feel sick. So I can't really eat bread. Um, otherwise, I'm not going to be feeling good. So it's working around that deprivation. But one way of looking at it is you can eat the bread. And the result of eating the bread is you're going to be feeling nauseous or you're going to get cramps. And then you are actually depriving yourself of feeling good. Mm. You can choose not to eat the bread. Yes, you're going to have FOMO from not tasting the chewiness and the softness of the bread. But you're going to be feeling better in your body. So it's, mm. it's very much a mental thing and working around a sense of depri- mental and physical deprivation and a sense of loss. But the hardest part of this is the acceptance that this is what's now happened. Yeah, and that's definitely. And I think the, what stood out for me there is that it, it's not forbidden it's merely that it has a particular effect on you that might not be desirable. So you don't have to treat it as forbidden, you know, and, and that's going to stop you from having those intense cravings that you might otherwise right. have. You always have the choice. It's really reminding yourself that you have 
the choice. Um, I just want to mention around the challenging the food police, a case study of a client who was um, in her 40s and she's from a family of four sisters and her mom, the mom was always on diets and the mom has diabetes. So there were never sweets in the home growing up. So the girls, when they would go to parties, would always overeat sweets because they weren't allowed them. And when we were working together, she would really, there. <laughs> um, I never knew about these sweets until she told me about them. Um, they're these pink um, kind of gummy sweets, which I then tasted and oh my word, they are delicious. <laughs> so she couldn't stop eating them. She would eat them by the packet. But what I noticed as we were working together, it was sweets and carbs. Whenever she would eat those sweets, there was such a barrage of internal criticism and judgment. She would beat herself up for eating them. And so, and she, it would be so difficult for her. She would just carry on binging on these sweets. Eventually, I asked her to write down all her thoughts around the sweets and carbs of all the foods that she would eat. And we would look at the link between the thoughts that she would have around eating these sweets and how it would make her feel. And inevitably, it would make her feel rebellious, guilty, bad, you know, one of those. And so we worked on those thoughts, um, trying to diffuse the effect of these thoughts and try to make her feel neutral around these sweets. And eventually, now, you know, she could get go to the supermarket, look at them and go, do I want them? Don't I want them? She would buy them. Um, and very often they'd just be sitting in the cupboard and, or she would have some and the packet was left unopened. Um, I mean, it took weeks and weeks to get there, but eventually she got there and, um, it was just so empowering and freeing for her. But that was really through working with challenging that food police voice in her head. Mm -hmm. Now you can see how, how very important it is and how it would also be an ongoing battle Absolutely. Want to call it that an ongoing yes. awareness of it constantly um, because the world is just so filled with these principles of dieting and what we should and shouldn't be doing with our bodies uh, and mm. one of the challenges to this uh, Anka is you know people get a lot of praise when you go out to eat or you with other people and they see what you're eating and they'll mm. comment on what you're eating Mm -hmm. And I always say to clients, um, don't comment on what other people, don't praise them or criticize them for what they're eating. Mm -hmm. You know, often you say, oh, you've been so good. Look, you're eating a salad. Mm -hmm. or, or, or people are scared, like my clients, are scared to order cake and pasta for fear of judgment from others. Mm, it's so true. And, and especially also, if you're in a bigger body, people yes, tend to look exactly. at you with even more disdain of, how yes. could you be eating that if yeah. you look like that? And yeah, exactly. exactly. Very, very harmful. So you need to overcome that judgment and just trust in the process and understand that this is an internal journey and you've got to work with your criticism, internal criticism, the fear of judgment from others. And so there are multiple factors in, in this entire yeah. process. There's, there's only so much that you can cut out of your life. So, for example, um, you've got the weight loss ads coming up on your Facebook and you're just 
say, mm -hmm. I don't want to see these anymore. And you unfollow the, the pages and uh, Instagram accounts that come with um, diet mentality packed into them. But mm -hmm. the voices that remain in your own head as a residual of all those other voices you've been hearing your whole life is really where you need to work on um, getting rid of them. Because it's easy to, to get rid of the external factors and, and let them yeah. no longer be an issue because it's so clear that they're outside of your head. But those mm. that are within you are going to be, are going to take a little bit longer to get to get through. Yeah. Look, it really helps to curate your feet. You know, mm. if you come into intuitive eating and you've come from a history of dieting to unfollow, there's so much on Instagram, especially around this righteous, clean eating. Mm. Um, where people are posting, I mean, and I have nothing against green smoothies. I don't like kale, but, you know, where it's this whole clean, you know, this clean eating movement. And since the whole clean eating movement, um, there's been a rise of orthorexia. Mm. And which for the listeners that don't know, orthorexia is the obsession with eating healthy food. And mm -hmm. um, that's from all these posts on by food bloggers on Instagram. So mm -hmm. it's really about unfollowing those um, and following more people in intuitive eating that will help you. Yes. yes. So the, the less of the, the, the voices of, of diet policing that you have in your head and the yes. more of the voices of acceptance and body yes. and, and food acceptance, right. You'll, you'll brainwash yourself back in the other direction, the good direction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I think we've given people a few tools to go and work with to challenge the food police in their own lives. Um, if any of you have mastered this principle, uh, what was a turning point or an aha moment for you? We'd love to hear from you. Um, please do email me at anke, that's A N K E, at outofmymindbox.com. And we would love to hear any of your questions that you've got related to intuitive eating and any of the principles we've discussed so far. Thank you very much for joining us in this episode today. And thank you, Xenia, for bringing thank your you. expertise as always. Thank we will you. be dealing with principle five of intuitive eating next week. We look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>